Hello and welcome. I don't know about you, but I love to talk and talk I must with everybody, anybody, anywhere. Have you really stopped to talk? And I mean really talk with your family and friends. Do you know what their dreams are? Do you know what they are up to these days? Well, I'm chatting with my friends and people from all walks of life to discover what makes them tick. Join me as I uncover some truths and some stories. I'm Hira and you're listening to Crossleg with Hira Mehta. And I'm talking today to Divya Chadda, luxury events and destination planner and she is also a business mentor and a coach. It's going to be I'm going I'm really going to enjoy talking to you because you know the things that you do are very close to my heart also in terms of events and uh, you know mm-hmm. business uh, modules that you talk about and you talk about a lot of good things you know so I'm I'm just going to start asking by uh, you know you've lived in different places all around the world and it yeah. isn't your Mumbai so what's yeah, your journey been like So it's been really interesting um I was born in London and i went over to dubai when i was a little kid so probably like when i was 6 or 7 we moved to dubai and i ended up growing up over there i went to an international school um had a really interesting journey and i was in dubai when dubai was a desert right so it wasn't the dubai that you know it as of now it it was this upcoming unknown place in fact when we were there there were barely any homes around us there was a desert on one side and a beach on one side which was fantastic um but it was really cool cuz i i got to experience a lot i got to experience a lot of different cultures growing up in the middle east and having gone to an international school i was in a class where my graduating class we were about 42 different nationalities at one point and we were a class of 55 so we were like 42 different nationalities in school that's amazing that's amazing because you know and i'm sure you must have the best of all the worlds having so many nationalities in your school It really was like we got to learn a lot about different cultures, communities, backgrounds, um and how people, you know, understood each other and how they perceived each other. And you have to understand this was the time where Dubai was unknown. So there were all these expats who had come in and we we feel like we're the founding founding fathers of Dubai, you know, like I feel like I'm one of the OG people from there because I know it from when it was a desert and I know it now when it's this amazing tourist hub and commercial hub and i kid you not when i was in school the then sheikh rashid um he had come to our school and given a presentation and i think i was in this was around 1990 1991 or so so you know i was, I was quite young i was quite quite young um back then so in the 90s he came over to our school and he gave us a presentation showcasing what his vision for dubai was and he showed us that it is going to be the global number one destination for tourists this is what he envisioned and this is way back in the 90s right and now when you look at it we're in 2021 and guess what dubai is already there it has like picked up in the spaces in the last 10 years it's just really really out there so um i feel like you know as a visionary leader it was very inspiring as a young kid to watch the ruler of the country i was growing up in kind of deliver on all his promises it was like this is what's going to happen we're going to have this we're going to have the best of everything and that's what happened with this city it was just amazing so i went to school in dubai 
And then I decided I, you know, I wanted to go away for university. So I was supposed to go to the UK for university, but being the eldest child, the firstborn and a girl, my parents were struggling with the idea of me going away and living in London on my own. But then when I decided um, you know, when, when my parents said, okay, you can't go and stay off on your own because there was a problem with the campus and the dorms and stuff like that. So I ended up moving to Canada, to Montreal, a country, I had ne- a city and a country I had never been to. And I went over there and I said, I'm going to go, go to university over there because it's a French-speaking um, city. I speak French and why not? And two of my best friends were there, like two of my male best friends were out there. So I said, okay, I'm going to go out there. So there I am, all of just under 18 years old. I went and I started university before I turned 18. And there's me two continents away from my parents, like a 24-hour flight almost. And I started university um, in Montreal. It was a fantastic experience. And when I graduated, I did management and e-commerce. When I graduated from there, I went back to London and I started my first career of steps where I started working with a bank initially just because you know it's every Indian parent's dream we want a banker (laughs) solid job right you know what I mean so this is what my parents originally wanted for me or at least my dad did and then um, I realized I was like no I don't quite love this job but at that time I was already the go-to person to sort out people getting into nightclubs I was a super social human being as as a school student and the same thing at university. And I basically converted that, my love for events and putting people together, and I decided to start working in the nightclub business because I realized, I was like, I can send people to nightclubs and make money while I'm sitting at home sending emails out, right, versus going into a nine-to-five job. So as soon as I crossed the same salary from the bank in my part-time fun job of sending people to nightclubs, I quit. I quit the bank. It was like less than six months. I was like, no, I'm doing this. I can run a business on my own. And I set up my first business at 21. Wow, that's amazing. At 21, you set up your first business. And was that to do, as you said, it was to, it was the first step towards probably uh, destination weddings, which are uh, pretty much it in the book. Actually, it was really yeah. funny because I started with nightclubs, managing nightclubs and parties and putting people together. And this sort of progressed over the years from the year 2000 onwards. Um, in 2008, the financial markets crashed. Everyone knows this. The markets crashed all around the world. And my regular clubbers used to go out. They, um, they started approaching me and saying, well, could you come and do our corporate party? We have a Christmas party at work. Or we have a, you know, an offsite that we need to do or a rewards and recognition train, you know, program that they want to facilitate. And um, I started doing that. And off the bat of that, those clubbers used to come and party with me for all those years because I had developed a membership system for all my uh, members who could come and really avail of the bespoke services of the VIP clubs that I could offer them. From here, I got my first engagement inquiry. Can I throw an engagement party? The couple were really happy with it. And then they asked me to plan their wedding. And I was like, I have never planned a wedding in my life. (laughs) What do you want me to do? (laughs) I couldn't understand what to do. And um, I was shocked. I managed to do it. I pulled off a 200 people wedding way back then. This was like in 2009, maybe. Um, A 200 people wedding in London in a budget of like 20,000 pounds, which was very nominal, right? And I don't know how I did it, I, but it was all by myself. That was the day I learned about 
flowers. I learned about marquees. I learned about all the technical things that were involved in setting up a wedding, how to work with photography teams. We've got Jody Clickers who've joined us as well, and they're a really amazing team that I, I have worked with in the past, and I love working with them. They're really lovely. So, yeah, that's how I got my first wedding. And then my second inquiry, Hira, was for a destination wedding in India, a country I had not been to in 10 years. So you were sitting in London and yeah. you were offered a wedding, a destination wedding in India. They yes, wanted so to come to India to do a destination wedding. Yes, they did because they were like the finance, the markets have crashed in the UK. We want to get great value for our money. So at the time, the pound and the rupee exchange rate really worked in their favor. And we did a wedding at the Taj Rambagh in Jaipur. Wow. Yes, That's amazing. I, was very, I was very impressed with myself, given that my Hindi skills are quite, were quite disastrous at the time. Um, even now, I don't think they've gotten that much better. I mean, it's, it's gotten good, but it's not that great. <laughs> so how was that experience? When, it started, when you started doing a destination wedding from London to India, it sort of must have uh, uh, snowballed into many more such events and many more it, such destination weddings. It really did. It really did. I'm just going to quickly say hi. Hi, Radhika and team. Hi, Radhika and Chindi. I hope that you are going to join us for the whole time. There's another wedding planner who's joined from the UK, so very happy to see them on here. Thank you. Yes, it was really good in the sense that that first destination wedding from the UK to India basically made me realize that there was a gap in the market for NRIs, right? Um, the, there were all these um, NRIs like myself, Brit uh, British Indians who were living in the UK, who were living in the US, who were used to the very Western culture of weddings. So there's a lot of structure, a lot of format, you know, it's everything follows a schedule, <laughs> something that Indian weddings really don't follow when you think about it. Um, and they wanted to come out and do a wedding here in India, but they were not fine being able to connect with the right sort of suppliers who understood where their mindset was and where their vision was. Right. So th there was a, this difference that came about between understanding what the client wanted and what could be delivered. And I realized that this was a great space for me. So there I am, like, you know, um, NRI or BBCD or a coconut, whatever you'd like to call me. Right. I am one of those laughing, but it's true. It's really funny. You can call me any yeah. of those things. And um, I'm able to understand exactly what my UK and my US clients want because coming from the background that I do, having lived in three different countries by this point, right? There was the UAE, there was the UK, as well as Canada. I've understood what these particular clients may want. And then I had found myself a really great base here in India because my parents had shifted to Bombay. So I was like, okay, I can really work this. And I'm a I'm a networker at heart. I love meeting people. I love connecting with people. So I managed that over the years that I was doing the clubbing business, I managed to connect with a lot of hoteliers, a lot of corporates, and um, you know, just found the support system to be able to help facilitate whatever my clients' requirements were when it comes to delivering a great service to them. So it was, uh, it was a very interesting space. I struggled a little bit in the start. You know, the language was a bit difficult. I couldn't even say my numbers in Hindi very well. So I got confused. I didn't understand what lakhs were, let alone what crores were. I, so I couldn't write it down. It was really frustrating for me. But 
you know, with perseverance, you get better. So I discovered a macro, typed it into my Excel sheets so that I could read the numbers properly <laughs> without making that's, mistakes. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Because everybody, I'm sure you must have worked around it very well. But you know, when mm -hmm. you were talking about the wedding, which you, uh, which you did from uh, UK to India, yeah. was it the Bollywood influence uh, that colored the wedding or was it just a normal wedding because you know when we talk about weddings in india people are very enamored by the bollywood uh, scene, yeah I, mean, i think what they liked about coming out to india was that they could really get something completely different to what they would experience in london you know they could get authentic decor authentic designs fresh flowers which would not cost them an arm and a leg as it would in the uk because fresh florals are really expensive so i think it was all about the experience and that's what a class apart is all about as a business a class apart is about curating the most amazing wedding experience that we can give you that's why it's the aka experience right i want to give that to you it's not just a wedding for me it's an entire journey for you as a couple and your family and your friends who are out there to come and celebrate your special weekend You know, so I know that everybody looks for something different and memorable when they're planning the wedding. So you must have had some real crazy demands or requests. So how do you work around those? And do you remember any unique or you know unusual requests that you have had to handle? Yeah, I definitely do. So with weddings, you will always get the most ad hoc requests, and I'm sure that my planner friends who've joined, as well as Disha from Customizing Creativity, uh, she's an amazing stationery and invitation designer. She's on here as well, and you would, you know, they would appreciate and understand that for the clients, there is no limits to their imagination. The only limits they have are their budgets, right? So as long as you give me a demand and it fits in your budget, I will make sure it happens for you. But if it doesn't, then I have to kind of put that out there. So I've had requests that go in from uh, one of our grooms. We did a wedding in the Middle East, and he came in on a desert bike because he used to do race, like motocross racing. So he actually came in on a desert bike, did like a somersault flip in the desert, came down a sand dune, and like parked himself up at the at the aisle where he was going to take his vows. So that was quite fantastic. That was a really nice one. I have done a very last-minute um, helicopter ride, which resulted in a proposal. So that was really good as well. And then we've just had lots of different requests. So from yacht parties to we, we've we've done yacht parties in Mauritius for pre-wedding celebrations. Um, I have done. We had one set of friends, one set of wedding um, group that had come out, and they all wanted to go out skydiving after the wedding, like as a celebration. And the the family was just like, "Why? Why are you doing this?" So we've just had loads of random requests, but these are like some of the the cute ones that I can like pop out. Other ones are a little bit personal, so I won't share those yet. What makes you happy when you do these plannings, and what and what are the different kinds that you have done? I mean, you've only done weddings or engagements. I'm sure you must have done all kinds of events. Or uh, is it just got to do with, uh, as I said, corporate fault? So you must when you've done these corporate events or these offsites, as we call them, they must be a different uh, style of uh, you know, events. They really are. And the thing is, I feel that 
a class apart is a one-stop shop. So you can come to me for any sort of curated event experience and I can put it together for you. Uh, destination events and weddings are my forte and speciality. I love doing them because of my love for travel. So I can always provide an unbiased opinion when it comes to selecting venues, what kind of destinations one wants to travel to. And I have the network already in these spaces. So as long as the event is really interesting, really exciting, and a bit unconventional, I'm happy to take it on board. That's the kind of person I am. So I, I like those kind of um, events to do. I've done everything from 25th anniversaries to baby showers to proposals, corporate offsites, but you know, really cool corporate offsites where it's about fun, it's about team building, it's about really getting to know your team members versus, oh, we have to sit in a presentation the whole day. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, and so uh, tell me something that you're also a business mentor and a coach. How did yes, that I happen? Am. So over the years now, I would say at this particular stage, I've got 18 plus years of experience um, in uh, being an entrepreneur. So for me, what happened was quite a few years ago, I got approached to start teaching and giving lectures and masterclasses for the event and wedding fraternity. And I realized that, you know, this was a very interesting space. And I really enjoy teaching people. I love being able to share my knowledge and share my experiences with others and help them succeed, right? So for me, this was a great stepping stone. And I realized I thought after doing these courses, I would get a lot of um, students or interns who wanted wanting to work with me or get mentored by me. Um, so if I didn't have any positions available in my company, I would offer, um, you know, basic mentoring, like, come on, you can give me a call anytime and I will be happy to guide you through um, and assist you in whatever you may require. So it sort of naturally progressed from there. And then I started getting invited to come out to speak at conferences as well as international conferences. So that sort of cemented my name when it came to being an expert in destination weddings. So I was able to offer and mentor a lot of young um, startups, young people who wanted to grow their business, or who wanted to get into the events business. I mean, my youngest student has probably been all of 18 years old, and my oldest student was 55 when they joined me to start working and setting up a business. So I can work with people from all different age groups, and I realized this was something great, and I appreciate the fact that I've had amazing mentors my whole career. Right. So at every given point of my career and journey, I've had um, mentors that I can look up to, that I can connect with and ask for support. Because, you know, when I first came out to India, I didn't know anybody. You know, I didn't grow up in Bombay. I didn't know people. I, I, I had cousins over here, but that was it. And everyone I knew was already married. So it's not like I could get access to a market and say, hey, I'm a wedding planner. Can you pass me your contacts? You know, recommend me to your friends. That didn't quite happen for me. So it was really great that I managed to get two amazing mentors in Bombay who helped me on my journey. So one is Parthit Degarajan, the founder of Wedding Sutra. He actually gave me my first article um, that got published in uh, India about my work. And then I worked with another gentleman called Hari Ayapan, who um, I worked under on a very, very large scale project for my first massive wedding. Like it was a 10 crore plus wedding. And I didn't even understand the numbers, but he was there to guide me. And, you know, he put me on this project. He had faith in me. It was an NRI client and he had faith in me. And he was like, no, you can do this. You know, you will manage. 
So, you know, I, I know how important it is to have a mentor and I feel very lucky and blessed that I can offer the same thing to others. So when you talked about, you know, your uh, student uh, being uh, from 18 years to 50 years, it reminded me of myself, you know, because I was, yeah. I'm always very fond of events, hosting, and I've had yeah. multitude of opportunities during my life. But the beauty of it all was that while I was working in the bank, it suddenly I wanted to do an event management diploma. So at the age of 48, I walked into an event management institute in Bombay. The principal okay. fell off his chair. And he said, ma'am, I can't give you a job. What are you wanting to do this course for? I said, look, I already have a job. All I want is I want to learn it because I do mm -hmm. a lot of events, but I don't know everything about event, event management. So I did a yeah. one-year diploma I to go from work after work and do that uh, course every evening with young kids of uh, you know, 16, 17, 18, 20. And I actually did a film fair event also as a part of the project. Oh, you know, wow, that's yeah, amazing! Yeah. I, 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 a lot of these schools they have um, they have amazing internship opportunities as well. So yes. that becomes really nice. How was the film fair experience for you? Oh, it was it was a it was with, with Shah Rukh Khan and Saif Ali Khan being the hosts of that event the first time. The first oh my God! Fair so so you so can hot. you can imagine I had I was I was backstage with Shah Rukh sitting on left and uh, uh, Saif sitting on right. I did not have a mobile. I was in those days and I was just just in awe watching them sitting next to me and quietly I was just watching them. You know. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's a brilliant experience, you know. I've written about it in one of my blogs, also. I know you have so, yeah. four books as well. That's so amazing! Like, I'm so impressed with that. And you put them all together. And from what I know, from little birdie, told me you learn how to do your podcast all on your own. Oh yes, I did. I did. I started a podcast thanks to a friend, and then uh, I've continued it, and I've con and now I'm on season two which I, I convert these conversations that I have with you all and convert them into podcasts and put them up, edit them myself and put them Fantastic. up. I'm very happy with myself. That is you know? amazing. That is amazing. It's my next thing on my list of things to learn. Learn how to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. You must, you must. It's, it's good fun. It's, it's a very good way to express your own thoughts, you know. And I believe that even if you impress, if you touch four lives, you know, mm -hmm. it's fine because podcasting is very nascent in India. And uh, most of our podcast is more with celebrities. People prefer yes, to listen to celebrities than listen to people like me or to even yes. read books of people like me. But it's fine. You know, it's my passion and I'm going to continue to do it. So no, it's, 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 it's there. I think that. passion drives us, right? And that's what's driven you to write four books. I'll yes. hats off to you. Hats <laughs> off to you. I'm going to make sure I get my autographed copies of the books, please. How sweet is that? I would love to do that. That will make me even more happy. Just you saying it, that you're thinking about picking it up, it makes me happy, you know. I it really don't, does. you know. Yeah, because, you know, uh, you know, you don't expect all your friends to pick up your books, you know, because they may not be reading it. But I still say, I'm the type of person who will pick up a book of, my, of a very close friend of mine, you know. If my mm -hmm. friend is doing something, I will applaud her and I will do it for her. Well, that's that's each one's uh, view. I think, I think of, that's so important, right? Supporting your friends and small businesses. Because, like you said, everyone goes to the big celebrities. Everyone knows the big brands exist. These guys have got all the funding in the world. But what about the small players, the smaller entrepreneurs who are out there actually trying to make a difference what about those guys who are looking at growing their businesses and who want to make a difference in the world and who want to make an impact and it's so so important for all of us in, at any stage to support 
other entrepreneurs. And this is why I feel that when the pandemic sort of came across last year, I was like, okay, you know what? I need to focus on helping people grow their businesses. I want people to know that they have somebody like their business bestie. And that's where I played around with this. And I said, I want people to know that they have somebody who is available to help them at all stages of their business. You know, someone who's been there, someone who's done that already, someone who has figured it out, failed, found ways to get better, found ways to improve themselves. Because at the end of the day, it's a journey, right? It's a culmination of all your experiences over the years that come together when you're teaching and training someone or mentoring someone. Because the kind of knowledge that I have, I wish I could pen everything down in a book. I just don't know if, I, I, if there's enough space or time for me to keep doing that. But what I can do is help people one-to-one. I can help people by group coaching. I can help people by just sharing knowledge with them as and when they need. And this is why I have a complimentary discovery call with uh, anyone who may want to even think about working with a, a coach or a mentor, where we can get on a call initially just to figure out if we're the right fit for each other and if we get along with each other. Because if you're going to work with somebody in your business, you have to be open to having a third set of eyes or a fresh set of eyes on your business and take what they say constructively versus critically, right? Like you don't want to take it with a pinch of criticism. You want to take it as constructive and say, okay, well, this is how I can improve. And that's what happens even with my mentors. Sometimes they watch what I'm doing and then they'll give me a call or message me even years after we have worked together. And they'll be like, look, you need to do this or get onto this. Make sure you fix this up, you know? And that's when you know, hey, this is how I can improve, right? You want to get the help from people who have been there, done that, and who can guide you right. No, absolutely, Divya, you know, because even I believe that, if, you know, as I was saying even earlier, education, the knowledge that you have, the experience that you have, if you do not share it, if you do not share it, just keep it for yourself. You're actually yeah. achieving nothing. And you know the fear that somebody will do better than you? If you just mm-hmm. get rid of that, huh? I think you you you'll be fine. You know that's what I oh, feel. Definitely, you know? and it's one of the things that I actually go over in my one-to-one coaching as well as my group coaching. We work a lot on mindset, and I talk about people, and we talk about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, sorry, which is when you start fearing what other people think or comparisonitis, right? Where you start comparing yourself to everybody around you. And what I keep telling all my clients, and I had this conversation with two of them, one of them is on, two of them actually on here right now, Nantani, she's an amazing makeup artist, and we've got Hero, Hero Meta, not Hero Meta, like you, Hero Meta, who um, is an artist as well as has um, a line of lifestyle products that she's just recently launched. So what I, keep, what I used to tell them and what I tell a lot of my other clients as well is just like, look, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? No one will log on to your live. No one will watch you. You'll get rejected. Someone will say no. They won't like what you have to say or do. But nobody can do what you do, right? I can't do what you do, and you can't do what I do. We may be able to do it at some capacity, but we'll be able to execute it the same way, right? So this is so, so important for all of us to get out of our own heads and start understanding that we need to get out of our comfort zone and start progressing in order to grow. 
and more than that you know to understand the meaning of the word success success is not uh, you know uh, measuring yourself with another success is measuring exactly. your own milestones as you go along exactly. you know and, and you are happy looking at your face in the mirror that's the most important thing right we we can't measure other people's milestones against our own because our journeys are so different the path i'm on right now at my stage maybe somebody else who i admire has started a year or two before me and is ahead of me but instead of me comparing myself to them i should be aspiring to be like okay if they can do it i can do it too right it's that aspirational feeling that you want to have and that's why it's so important to surround yourself with the right people you know those people make such a big difference in your life like i'm so fortunate that i have an amazing set of friends you know friends who are entrepreneurs themselves as well as um who work for corporates in different positions of authority and they're extremely supportive through my entrepreneurial journey i am very lucky that i have an associate of business network who push me who encourage me to go out of my way and do things that are out of my comfort zone as well i mean so i i jumped out of my comfort zone of planning nightclub parties and i did an engagement then i did a wedding then i did a destination wedding and then i decided to teach events and weddings and then i was a speaker and after that it was like oh wait people are coming to me for mentoring and every time it was scary right it was a little bit scary you're like what if i disappoint them uh you know what if they're not happy with what i do but at the end of the day i'm like well wait a minute why will they not be happy with what i teach them because i've got what what, what i've got what it takes to offer you the right solutions to help you grow because i got that guidance as well and if i didn't have that guidance i would probably be a little bit behind at my in my journey but having the right guidance definitely accelerates you um on your path you know your trajectories are so different the way you um the way you think is so different when you're with people who don't understand business you just there's no growth yeah. you become stagnant you start doubting yourself people will sit there and put it into your head like are you sure you can do this other people charge so much more i mean i hear it all the time i get asked like why aren't you charging more money and say well i don't need to i'm fine where i am but you can make more money i said yeah but i don't want to be greedy right so i mean i that's when my level of success is where i'm happy doing what i'm doing without comparing myself to somebody else and envying them because you know maybe they and the right word is envy yes the right word is envying them you have to aspire you have to have goals you have to have yeah. people you admire but you don't admire them to such a level that you start envying them or exactly. they become your roadblocks in your own success or in your own growth you exactly. you have to you have to you have to learn everything around you but you have to know exactly where you want to end up you know definitely it? it totally is i mean when i thought about getting onto the coaching journey this was even before the pandemic so maybe in 2017 or so i decided that i wanted to do this more i wanted to to set up a new division of my company so imagine after being really comfortable for like 15 years in events i'm thinking about how do i set up a new business division how do i start this new arm 
And then I looked around, I checked out various group coaching offers. I, I joined various Facebook groups. I joined LinkedIn groups to see where I could learn from. You know, maybe there's somebody I could connect with and really um, be able to guide me on this new journey and maybe give me some pointers. But then what I realized was there was this massive difference in how coaches operate in different parts of the world. Everyone's approach to coaching is different. Then it's about finding a coach that's the right fit for you and how you are and what kind of journey and path you want to take. So it was really interesting. I got, I got coaching from a lovely lady called Savita in Bangalore. And she helped me really set my mind and put it to, you know, put me on a path to be a bit more clear in terms of my coaching journey. You know, she was like, well, why do you want to coach? You know, what, you know, do you just want to be a coach? What is it? And I said, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. I have this experience. I want to share it with the world, but I don't want to be an NLP coach and I don't want to be a, you know, a very specific style of coach. I want to be a business coach or your business bestie. That's why I like calling myself a business bestie versus just a coach because, you know, I don't have formal training, but I have almost two decades of experience, which I think counts as really good training. Yes, it does. So what does BYOB stand for and what is your BYOB lounge all about? Oh my God. So BYOB, the first time I told people about it, they're like, bring your own booze. I was like, no, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> they're like, you're a party planner. Like you must have put BYOB. It's like, bring your own bottle, bring your own booze. And I was like, no, 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 it's called build your own brand. <laughs> so that's what BYOB stands for. It's build your own brand. It is um, what I created or what, I, what I'm hoping to keep creating is this amazing community of like-minded, ambitious entrepreneurs who want to grow their businesses and their brands at a global scale and who want to meet with like-minded individual, like individuals who can support them during their business journey. This is what the BYOB um, concept is all about. This is the ethos behind it. The BYOB Lounge is a monthly membership where you can get more customized coaching or it's a bit more on the self-study side. So we've got the free Facebook group, which is the community and the tribe. It's completely free. You can ask questions in there. I keep coming inside um, the Facebook group to share tips and you know give advice to the entrepreneurs in there. There are over 200 uh, entrepreneurs currently in the BYOB tribe. And what I've done with the lounge is created this monthly membership where you get a one, one monthly training conducted by myself on specific topics. So things like what's brand new, the art of blogging, um, you know, the art of PR, how to have, uh, how to grow your Instagram, um, you know, how can you build your business systems. So I have these various trainings that take place in the BYOB lounge. So it's a monthly membership, really affordable. You get one masterclass with me every month. You get a workbook to go through and really fill in your thoughts about what the subject and the topic is all about to help you kind of hone into what your business requirements are and where, where and what stage you're at in your business. And then you get a Q&A with me with, as a group session so that I can answer any questions that you may have. And then you have an implementation week where we encourage you to really go out there and implement everything that you may have learned. So you have four weeks to kind of pick that workbook up, go through the training, see what was done, and then implement it. And it's a self-study, self-paced program. And after that, we have the one-to-one -one coaching. 
and I have a mastermind as well. So I have different levels and layers of coaching that I can share with clients. And depending on what stage of their business they're at, then you know they can pick something that they're comfortable with. Because there are some people who really want to push their business, and they'll go for one-to-one -one coaching. You know, that's really intense. It's completely tailored to your business. Um, we don't talk about other things. It's your business and your business only. And everything that I share with you over there is applied to your business, right? It's relevant to your industry. And then, you know, that, that, that I feel gives you a lot of support, a lot of extra support. So it's like having another business owner or having a CEO, an experienced CEO or a GM come into your business and supervise you and guide you on how to grow your business. That's lovely. That's lovely. And how can people... Uh, so it's a Facebook page, right? So the Facebook page is an open community. Um, so there are over 200 entrepreneurs from around the world over there. So we've got members from India, the UAE, UK and US and Canada. So this is where my audience is from at the moment over there. So it's really great. We have people who are fitness instructors, who are photographers, hair and makeup artists. I've got artists who are in there. Then I have um, chefs who are doing, who have restaurants as well as home delivery services or home pop-up kitchens. So I have a range of clientele on there, different styles of entrepreneurs. There are therapists in there. There are other coaches in there at different stages of their journey. So it's just like a nice space, a non-judgmental space to hang out in and, you know, get the support that you may want. So that's a, for me, it's a really great place. I love hanging out in there. I just like, I like to pop in and be like, hi, Tribe, how's it going? What's happening with you guys? No, no, I've seen the page and I really like it. And I really uh, uh, enjoy watching the conversations that have, you know, are happening there. The thing oh, is that, you know, you can always learn. Yeah, you can learn from anybody. Oh. And even, even if you're not in the same business, there are many tips that you can pick up, you know, for yourself to better exactly. yourself, you know. Exactly. You everyone, everyone comes with a knowledge set, right? So what you have in experience and knowledge is going to be completely different to me. And why shouldn't I want to learn from somebody else? Because we can't let ego get in the way. And this is one of the things I tell everybody who's a business owner. You can't do business if you have an ego. You can't do business if you're insecure. You can't be worrying about your competition all the time. Don't think of them as competition. Think of them as people you can collaborate with, and then you'll see your entire mindset shift to how you approach doing business. You know, you shouldn't be worried about asking, uh, about asking someone for help because how else are you going to grow? You never know what the other person is going to be able to offer you. That's a beautiful thought, you know, Divya. I just love what you said. Collaboration is more important than competition. Oh, and even I believe in that. I certainly believe that collaboration always helps you more. And as I always say that what worse can happen, somebody will say no. And that's exactly, the worst. That right? can that's that's the what worst I say. Like, why are people so scared of this word no? I mean, flip it around, they'll be on. <laughs> Finished. No, on, <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter. It's okay. Right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now tell me something. You know, some people are dreamers. And some people mm -hmm. actually get down to doing things, you know, like yeah. there are, sometimes you just, uh, there are people, you know, who will sit and think I could do this, I could do that, but they never get down to doing it. They just build those castles in the air. So if you were to tell them just two tips on how to get down to doing something, what would you say to them? I would tell them, take that first step. 
stop dreaming, action it. Because your dreams are just a dream until you take the step to achieve it, right? So when you take that first step towards whatever your dream is, so let's say my dream is to have a podcast. The first step I should be taking instead of checking all the podcasts available in the world and reading about them and hearing them and thinking about, oh my God, how am I going to compete with this kind of content? Because that's exactly what's going to happen when you start over-researching something. The first thing you should do is go find out how to make a podcast. Then go sign up to that program and at least download whatever it is onto your phone or your laptop and say, okay, now I have it here. Because then you know, okay, now I just have to start. Now I, I just have to switch it on. Okay, I can make a recording. Okay, I don't want to load it, but I'll leave it. And then move on from there. And this is so important. Like the first step is important. It's scary for everybody whenever you do something new. Like I'll give you an example. Me. Instagram reels and me are not friends. Okay? I struggle with that. <laughs> I struggle so badly with it. It's so, so annoying. I never got on that TikTok, uh, TikTok bandwagon, right? Um, so I never got on TikTok. So I don't even know how to use TikTok. And then reels happened. And I was like, oh my God, I thought I got saved from TikTok. Now I have to do reels. And then when I started, when the first day I did reels, it took me for that 15 second video, it must have taken me a good one hour to just figure out my pointing, you know, because <laughs> I was like, how am I going to do this? And then I did it. And then I got the text on there. And guess what? It totally went off size. Like it just, some became big and some became small. And I posted it and I was cringing. I was like, oh my God, it looks so bad. People will make fun of me. And it was scary as hell. And I didn't know if anyone will watch it. I didn't know if it would make a difference to what I did, but I knew I had to do it. And I was like, well, I did it. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the greatest, but I did it. I got it out of my system. You know, I was like, I just have to do it once. And then the next time I did it, I was like, okay, now I know I need to make the text smaller in case it expands, just in case it becomes big by itself, by magic, you know, the, the internet, devils inside have decided the gremlins have decided to surround with everything <laughs> so i was like okay i can do this a bit better then the third time i was like okay i can do this a little bit more let me find slower music to do this too <laughs> i'm glad you loved it because i haven't cracked it till today i haven't been able to understand it till today but i can say one thing when you spoke about podcasts i can say one thing if anyone wants to know what not to do when you start your podcast, I please come to me. I will tell you all the mistakes I've made, and I will help you to you uh, to be very clear you when you start your podcast. Post about that. You must have a blog post about that. Just share it with all of us. In fact, put it in the BYOB tribe. I know a couple of people are trying to start a podcast in there. Oh, I will. I will definitely. I will do that. I will put pointers for how what you should not you do. It would be amazing. What you should it would be help when you start a podcast. It would no, be I so will. helpful. I will certainly do that. I'll certainly do that. I'll remember to do that. Mm -hmm. I'll do it in a day or two. So tell me something. If somebody were to start a entrepreneurship, what would be the tips that you'd give them? Because, you know, let me share that I was a part of a team which was, uh, which was uh, women entrepreneurs, which I've stepped out mm -hmm. of. 
them, I had created a handbook for women entrepreneurs, tips and the things, yeah. which I'm very proud of. So, um, so the, I will share that with you. I'll definitely share yeah, that with you. I would love to see that. I would I mean, love to see that. It was almost something like I wanted to create a book. I wanted to write my next non-fiction book on entrepreneurship. You know. Uh, even though I'm not an entrepreneur, I still wanted to put it together for entrepreneurs. You I'll know? help you co-write it. I'll help you co-write it. Wow, that's a lovely thought. The next book. Okay, next so book, uh, I'm on it with you. I'll get started as well. Cool, that's great. So tell me, just just if somebody's listening in and wants to become an entrepreneur, especially a woman entrepreneur, what would be three tips that you'd give women entrepreneurs? For a woman entrepreneur, oh wow. So my first tip would be, don't give a shit. <laughs> don't give a shit about what anybody else is doing and what they think or what they're saying to you. Just don't give a shit. Go after what you want. Yes. Put it down. Action it out. You know, put down a plan for yourself because till you don't put that down, you don't know what you're going to achieve. So if you have decided, I want to become an entrepreneur, decide, how are you going to do this? What platforms are you going to use? Are you a product or are you a service-based business? Have, you know, what steps can you take to um, action it? And I have a great acronym that I like to use. And I tell everyone, do you like Mercs? Like, are you a Merc person? Do you like Mercedes? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So I tell everyone, what's a Merc all about, right? Merck, make every resource count, ladies. Make all your resources count, okay? That's what my biggest tip to you. If you want to be an entrepreneur, Merck it. <laughs> make every resource count. Well, lovely. And you know what I'd like to add to that? I'd like to add mm-hmm. one one tip, which I feel is very relevant. Now, with, with what I have experienced in life is, mm-hmm. never, and you've done that already, you never gave up doing doing what you were doing till you were very sure that you could step into entrepreneurship you know because that also becomes very important people just up and leave and then they then they start worrying about you know because they don't have a backup plan no they don't i mean i come from an entrepreneurial background where both sides of my family Almost all the men in the family are entrepreneurs, and now my generation of cousins, some of them have got their own businesses, but other ones, they work. Um, So I always knew at a very young age, I wanted to have my own business, right? But I also knew that coming with that, if I wanted to have my own business, I also needed some experience somewhere, somehow. So I did a lot of jobs growing up. Like when I graduated from university, I'm sorry, from school, from high school, my first internship was at a bank in Dubai. I worked at a bank and I worked for three months in the bank and it was really interesting. And I met a very amazing um, gentleman over there who I'm still friends with till today. And guess what? He went from being a banker to an award winning photographer, like a general natural photographer, not like specifically for weddings or anything like that. But he's become a photographer. Imagine he was like a high ranking banker way back then. And throughout this time, it was like, okay, I know I need some experience. And that's why when I graduated university, I did take a job with a bank so that at least I could get some monthly salary coming in. But I was on the side doing what I really wanted to do to see if it's actually feasible. And the main thing was I wanted to prove to my family that I know what I'm doing. I'm not just 
jumping into this business of nightclubs and parties and throwing parties because I don't want to have a serious job. It's because I want to have a, I want to do something that I really love. And I don't love being inside an office all day. I want to have fun. Like I want to be out. I want to be around people. I want to party. I want to chill out. I think that you should be able to work anywhere and everywhere and have a great time doing it. So that's it for me. Like, you know, I, I really didn't want to do anything that would compromise on that. I was very clear that I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to have my own hours. I wanted to be able to achieve certain things, but I also wanted to have a lot of fun doing it. I didn't want to do something which I hated doing just because it made me money. You know, and that's, that's the difference. Like when you're an entrepreneur, you need to have so much passion for what you do because there will be times where you're, when you're starting your business where you may not earn anything. You're probably giving out information for free. You know, you're doing work for free because you're trying to build your base with, um, with others and you're trying to develop your networks. But all of that is for a reason. It's so that you can really do what you want to do, right? Like that's what you want at the end of the day. Like you want to have a lot of fun with what you're doing. Until date, no one can say that I don't love what I do. I'm, I'm partying. I'm the first one to get up at an event and I'm the last one to go to bed at an event. It's your passion and it shows. It's my passion. It totally it's is. Thank you. Anything else you'd like to share, perhaps the connects, your connects? Oh, yes, Where definitely. If you would like to know more about the events and wedding industry, please make sure you follow me on A Class Apart, which is A-K-L-A-S-S-A-P-A-R-T. We will put it in the comments as well afterwards. Um, so that's my events and wedding page. And if you would like to know more about coaching or you'd like to maybe set up a call with me to see how you could work with the coach or how a coach may be good, uh, maybe someone that you could work with, then head over to BYOB with Divya. So that's BYOB, W-I-T-H, D-I-V-Y-A. Let me thank you very much for being uh, on, you know, talking to me and sharing all your uh, thoughts and all your, uh, you know, the work that you've done and the work you are doing and will continue to do. So a big thank you to you, Divya. Thank for you so much sharing. for having me. It's so amazing to be over here. And you are such an inspiration as well, just to know that you have got these four books out, that you have started your, you know, you started your podcast, you took up a course at a late stage in what you call late stage of your life. But I think it's absolutely amazing and inspiring because this is what, you know, we are supposed to do for each other. We need to empower each other and support other women on their journey and that's what I would love to do and I thank you so much for having me here today to chat with me it gives me a great space to be and talk about my work which I love and to be surrounded by someone who is doing more than me so I would love to learn from you too I want to know how to get my book going I want to know how to get a podcast going Dimple totally agrees thank you so much definitely Hira is a power lady over here so there yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for the kind words and we'll definitely stay in touch and there'll be lots we have to chat about. So thank you so much again, Divya. Thank you so much. Have a great time. Have a great evening. Take care. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to talk to me about your life, I'm waiting. Connect with me on hirametta13 at gmail.com And until next time, Namaste. Namaste.